welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. We're happy that you're joining us here again today on the podcast. Katie, what's happening on the farm with the kids these days in Iowa? Marlene, I'm sorry that I was late to get to recording this with you today. I'm in the middle of making the boy child his Halloween costume. He has been quite adamant for two years now that he is going to dress as a combine. And last year, thank God he forgot, but this year he did not forget. So I have spent the entire day turning a HelloFresh box and some Mylar bubble wrap and five styrofoam cones and four styrofoam circles and a garbage bag into a combine for my four-year-old. Oh, and also a piece of discarded gutter for a non-load auger. So I have now spent... It's going to come out on Halloween, so we will be excited to see the results. Yes. And it is more expensive and substantially more time intensive than any store-bought costume possibly could have been. And it will probably disintegrate within the first 20 minutes of trick-or-treating but it better not rain oh god don't even say that okay so the all-important question what color of combine is he going to be it's blue which was surprised i thought he was going to go green but blue i'm hoping that he's forgotten that he wanted a gravity box to go with it because that was too far yes mommy loves you a lot but not enough to yeah Yes, I would. You could carry around one of his toy gravity boxes nearby if he really needs that that functionality. But yeah, you don't need to build one to scale. I mean, as a parent who carries everything anyway, I suppose I should be the gravity box. Yeah, you put all the the candy candy in it. Take all the good stuff. I like this. I know. So just spray paint a box blue to Mm -hmm. match. And that's what his candy is going to go in because you're going to end up carrying that. That's actually super cute. Okay. Thank you, Arlene, for making my life so much simpler by giving me something yeah. else to do. But it's, it doesn't need anything else. It's just a blue box. Don't put wheels on it, nothing. Well, He's going to have to keep low standard. <laughs> yeah. So you're ramping it up now. And I'm going to be out of spray paint, hopefully not before I'm done making this thing, because I really don't want to drive another 20 miles to town to buy $3 worth of spray paint. Anyway, the guys are picking corn. They started with We planted one field of non-GMO corn, and the rest is conventional. For whatever reason, the raccoons and the deer really like the non-GMO corn, and so they have been destroying that field, so the guys were starting with that. We pick most of our corn because we grind whole ears for feed, and my mom is here visiting, which is amazing because it's giving me time to make a combine costume. Yeah, we've had a couple calves. They're all super freaking cute. And other than that, just carrying on. So how's things been at your place, Arlene? It's been a good week. The corn is happening at our place too, a little bit earlier than we expected, but they came and tested and said it was dry enough and our custom operator was done all the soybeans they were going to do. So they showed up this week. So 
corn is happening. The fields are looking very empty, which is good. That's what we like to see this time of year. I have agreed, probably against my better judgment, to go to a haunted house tonight. So I'll report back next week because I am not a person who likes scary things. Really? Are you a scary thing person, Katie? Like horror movies, suspense? No, she's shaking her head no for the people. Hard no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like mystery novels, but that's about it. I don't like anything it involves. So I like Hitchcock scary, but not anything where anybody jumps out. So yeah, Hitchcock, like a haunted house. Features, yes, scary things jumping at me. Hard no. Yeah, yeah, same. Your kids get older and they think that they're brave and they probably are braver than me. So we'll see how that goes, both for me and for how everyone's sleep goes the next few nights. So I'll report back on that. It's just like a small town, like the local museum does a haunted house with lots of volunteers every year. So I have obviously never gone, but that could be interesting. And in unrelated news, I said no to something this week. <gasps> I know it doesn't happen very often. That's shocking. I know. I am usually the person who says yes when someone asks me to specifically volunteer to do something. So someone asked me to do something this week and I looked at my calendar and checked in with myself in terms of how much bandwidth I felt like I had for extra things. And I said no. So that doesn't seem like a big update, but for me, that's a big deal. So I'm seriously very proud of you. It's it's nice to look at your calendar and go, oh, I could have done X, Y, and Z instead of getting partway through it and being burned out and thinking, why the hell did I agree to this? Yeah. It's not something that happens to me often either, but it is a nice feeling to just yeah. And it's it was to help. Yeah, it was to help coordinate an event that I'm more than willing to go on the day of and support because it's something that I think is fun and important for. It's a one of the activities that the school puts on, but it's. Yeah, not something that I was prepared to to take on. And it was one of those things, too, where if I said yes this year, it was booking myself. It will be your problem forever. Your kids will have kids of their own and you will still be signed. I'll still be organizing the event, yes. So I'll show up on the day of, but not this time. I will not organize it. Good for you. Thanks. Yeah, it's good work. (laughs) I'll probably say yes to a bunch of other things between now and the next time it happens. But it's fine. Yeah. I think that is all of my update for the week. We did finally pick up pumpkins. So we're recording on Saturday afternoon and they're not carved yet, but maybe tomorrow. That might be. Ours aren't either. I don't know. For any of our listeners who have not seen our Instagram, there's been a trend going around where you cut just the skin off the pumpkin in a face and then you give it to your chickens and they're supposed to like peck through the pumpkin and make a jack-o'-lantern themselves so i did this i was all excited i took a little pumpkin out i carved the face just a little bit for them and as i posted in the reel this morning i picked it up and it looked like they had done the face i was excited like they hadn't done a good job it was like they did something and then i realized that they had just inadvertently pecked something the same shape as a face on the opposite side from where I had tried to get them to do it, which is basically the story of my life. Chickens don't watch reels. I know. Yeah. Maybe they they don't watch the Instagram, so they don't know that they're supposed to be on trend. Right. Yeah. I don't think they care. 
yeah, jerks. Yeah, that's right. All right, well, that's our Halloween content for this week, and we will, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. we will move on to our interview for this week's episode. Today, we're talking to Aubriana Johnson from North Carolina. I was trying to figure out how to come up with a fantastic intro for her because she does so many different things, but I ended up going with the words that she used to describe herself. She's an author, entrepreneur, and a creative spirit. So thank you so much for joining us today, Aubriana. Thank you for having me. So we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. So we ask, what are you growing? And for our farmers, that covers crops and livestock and families, and it can also cover businesses and lots of other stuff. So I'm sure this will be a long answer for you, but what are you growing? What am I growing? I will take the very literal sense of the word first. I did my best to have a fall garden, y'all, but... My mom, I was out of town and my mom sent me a picture and was like, huh, your pony's so funny. And I was like, he's in my garden. That's not funny. He (laughs) ate everything. So now I'm not growing anything. (laughs) Except a bigger pony. Literally, my fall garden will catch up in the spring. But as far as everything else... I am growing a kind of a career in equine experiential everything. So from a children's book or a children's brand called Cowgirl Cameron to leadership development, what I do with my clients to building a community of black horse people who are just trying to find our way and our space in this industry. I'm just building experiences that surround horses. And that is like the shortest way to put it. I was wondering how you're going to summarize all that, but we'll get to, (laughs) we'll get to the details in a minute. Yeah. So I, Arlene writes the scripts, but then I always come back and edit my questions to sound <laughs> more ridiculous and less like Arlene. So were you a horse girl? I feel like that's a real specific type. I was not. Okay. Because horse girls didn't look like me. And that's exactly the other half of what I was wondering is we see more Black equestrians in Western mm-hmm. riding, rodeos, whatever. But are there... Is there an equal push towards Black equestrians in English writing and eventing sports, however you want to put that? Yeah, yeah. So start with the question. Growing up, I started taking lessons when I was seven. I remember being on this little, this slow-ass gray horse. I don't even remember his name, but it was like an old man name. And I had to work so hard for him to do anything. And I remember being in group lessons with other little white girls who their parents had bought them horses. The horses are just trotting along and it just felt like what it doesn't look like they're working hard. But I am like kicking the shit out of this pony and he's not doing anything. And now in my big age, I realize these are the things that you need to learn as a young rider. But when I was 
that young, I was like, no, this is not fair. I'm not having fun. So I stopped riding. But then in high school, I had a family member that did these things called trail rides. And I was like, okay, cool, whatever. But we had a little bit of land. So we threw up a fence and he was like, can I keep my horses here? Yeah, sure. Fine. And then he was like, do you know how to ride? Yeah. I took lessons when I was seven. So how hard could it be? Right. Yeah, I'm pretty much a professional. Hell no. Okay. I went out in the woods and these trail rides are groups of hundreds of black people who meet up in the woods and have cookouts and there's a DJ and we're line dancing and stuff. And then you go riding in the morning through the woods and there's like speakers and boom boxes and we're all singing like oldies in the middle of the woods. It was like nothing I had ever seen before. This sounds like so much more fun than any trail ride I've ever been on. I know oh and so many people say that and you know when so now I'm starting to do more and more of that when I'm in high school and I've seen other those horse girls the horse girls that I grew up with they're like wearing their tall boots to class and got their crop on their backpack like girl really really meanwhile I'm like no my tag doesn't match but it stays on. My horses, they're pretty much barefoot. They are walking horses. So not only that, they're gated. They're completely different type horses versus the horses that they were working with. I'm like, oh, does your horse jump? Yeah, over the log that we just happened to come up on. And I didn't want to, okay? But I just held on because my favorite discipline is not hitting the ground. <laughs> and so when they're like, are you a horse girl? It, now that I'm in entrepreneurship and there's like this branding and hashtag horse girl, I'm, I just still feel like that seven-year-old me. There's, there's a certain type of people that, that use this. And I've tried. I've, yeah, hashtag horse girl. And then I'm like, that's some bullshit. This is not me. I'm like, no. That's how I got involved in the equestrian world and my background is in veterinary medicine. So it was like, yes, I love riding horses. I'm going to be a horse vet. And I then enter an industry also that doesn't have very many people that look like me, right? So it was like, how do you create a space where you don't see people that look like you and you just got to experiment. You got to try, right? And so I started connecting the dots and saying okay let's bring veterinarians to the trail rides let's you know have a grand old time get them together and then as I started to grow and grow in my career people are like I've never seen any black horse people and it's oh that's a you problem because I hang out with about hundreds of them on a weekend you know what let's start a podcast about that (laughs) and then since then everything has just skyrocketed. So in terms of your education, did you started on the path to veterinary medicine? Where did that lead you education-wise? So I went to NC State and got an undergrad degree and a bachelor's in animal science. Worked at the equine education unit out there. All my classes, y'all, now I know y'all have cows and things. My grandma has a one single cow. I've tried my best, but they don't move like horses move. I got exactly. stuck I got stuck in the barn aisle. Of course, the cow's heads are in the food thing. Feeder, yeah. The feeder, yeah. And then their butts are facing the aisle. And I was trying to leave my lab. And 
one cow just decided to stand in the aisle. And I'm like, okay, so I have the option to walk around it, but then that means I walk between a cow and cow butts. So I just was like, help, someone help me. I can't leave because this cow's in the way. And I'm like, come on. And it was like, what girl would you say? And I'm like, okay, help me. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I don't, I just, cows kind of scare me and they scare my horse too. We're two peas in the pod in that way. Oh, um, I was just going to say, I feel the same way around horses because yeah. I don't understand how they move. Like you get used to your type of animal and yes. a baby has both beef and sheep. So depending on the animal you're working with, they move differently and then mm -hmm. you have to handle them differently. Yeah. So I'm totally yeah. intimidated by horses. Yeah. Well, and I was wannabe horse girl because <laughs> there's definitely a type and then the, in the mm -hmm. English riding world, I think it's even more what that oh, for type sure. is. For sure. And so I grew up around horses and I know the first time I worked cattle, I was like a horse, like you walk up and lean on it. Most horses will move, walk mm -hmm. up and lean on a cow and the cow's just, fuck are you doing? And then they just right. kind of stand there or they bail out, let you fall over. Yeah. So it's a very different yeah. situation. Yeah. But let me tell you from my, you have to get all these experiences to qualify for vet school. You have to have so many hundreds of hours. So I rode with a veterinarian who was a small ruminant in Camelot and put me out here with some goats, some sheep, some alpaca, not llamas. Llamas are a little big for me, but that's a lot of fun for me. And so that was how my undergrad career went. But then obviously when I graduated, I'm like, okay, who's hiring? <laughs> and it was small animal. And so I was like, I didn't do small animal really while I was in college. So let me do that. And so I started working at a small animal hospital and kind of got stuck there, got bored. And they had just fired the person who was managing the pet resort. And so I'm like, I'm super creative. The business is failing. So let me come in here and shake some shit up. And so I did. And I was there for three years and did fantastic, like completely turned it around. And so that was when I was like, this business shit is kind of fun. And while I was there, I ended up getting a master's in health sciences with a concentration in One Health from University of Florida online. And One Health is the integration of human, animal, and environmental health and wellness. And I'm like, okay, when we think humans, animals, and the environment, what is a better way to communicate this concept than working with horses. You're the human. You are riding or working with this horse that is in our environment. And it's not necessarily, when you're working with horses, it's definitely a choice, right? It's not like cows and pigs who are like feeding our country. And it's also a choice too, but like horses aren't being eaten here. It's like you're, you got them to ride them and that's a privilege really and so I was like that would be an incredible conduit to to teach people about this and so I started my children's book series and that's the premise behind the different stories and the interactions that come through Cowgirl Cameron and so what can you tell us about your current horses and there's a note in here about Encore yeah so this is he, she, is it adorable? He, okay. he, him's, my voice changes when I talk about a little bit of awkward because 
it's my little baby. But so I'll start from the beginning. I bought a horse as a sophomore in college because I had me a little job and I was making $17 an hour and I thought I was rich. And so still my family still had my little bit of land with the fence on it and the other horses from high school were still there. So I was like, I can just buy a six month old horse and put them there with the other horses. And so my parents were the kind of people like, they didn't tell me no often. They asked me if I had a plan. And I absolutely am so thankful for them for instilling that skill in me because I develop a plan before I suggest any ideas because then you can't tell me no. Got the business plan ready. Got your plan. When I figured it all out. Yeah, you got all your riches to spend. And so bought him. His name is Maestro and he is a spotted saddle horse, Tennessee walking horse. And I raised him from six months old. He's 10 now. Got him in 2012. And so after college, I'm working. I've I moved with him several times, found places to live with my horse on property. I was telling friends one day, I was like, it would be funny if I did like parades because, you know, I'm riding him at this point. We're doing parades. It'd be funny, though, if I have a little version and I could just drag him along. <laughs> That'd be funny, right? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that'd be funny. You're so crazy. And then Craigslist was like, what'd you say? You said you wanted a little horse that looked just like your big horse? And I kid you not, I pulled up Craigslist and same markings, socks on the front, stockings on the back, white and black mane, white and black tail, like a dark brown. I was like, it doesn't matter how much it is. I'm a buy. This is the universe speaking. This is right. And who am I to say no? Yeah. It makes no sense. So I got him and... That little baby, like, it was just something I thought would be funny. I did not plan to do therapy work with him. I didn't plan to make him a character in the children's book. Children's book wasn't even conceptualized then. But based on his demeanor and his behavior, I was like, okay, let's see what we can do. So I looked at the therapy horses and worked towards stuff like that. And he passed the test with flying colors. And I was like, okay, guess that's what we have to do now. (laughs) So Encore is a character in the Cowgirl Karen book series, and he travels with me. I have I bought a minivan because minivans cost less than horse trailers and pimped it out. And he has a stall in the back and he hops up in there and we hit the road. That's awesome. I, I have a minivan. I've never considered uh... <laughs> that particular conversion but yep stowed the seats in the back and I like lined it with plastic and everything and then built a wooden stall situation and it works it works and thankfully I have a father who is very crafty he grew up on a hog farm like the things that I asked him to do he's like, really I have the tools for it but yeah okay. when you say this is part of the plan you asked if I had a plan I'll pay for it but yeah. Just, Can you yeah. do this for me? Yeah, some construction <laughs> help here. Uh, so you've mentioned Cowgirl Cameron a couple of times. Can you tell us who Cameron is and yeah. what she's all about? Yeah, yeah. Cowgirl Cameron started off as just a book series. I was being asked as the popularity of the podcast increased to read books to kids. And I'm like, yeah, I would love to read books about black cowboys and black cowgirls to these kids. And you get 
asked to read to younger kids. You don't get asked to read to like fifth graders. But all the books out there were at that reading level. Not only were they at a higher reading level, but they were all about slavery. And I'm like, yeah, this is important. I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm not going to a class of kindergartners or first graders and talking about Farmer Jim, who was a slave, and now he got to run across the country on his horse, and we're supposed to think this is a fun story. So I started like making up my own stories to the pictures in these books. And then I was like, okay, this is also dumb. Let me just write my own books and create my own stories and be able to show representation that's not through the lens of struggle. Because every story that comes out about horses and a black cowboy or a black equestrian or the first black Olympian or the first Kentucky Derby jockeys who were all black men, it should not always have that context of struggle. That's not how you get more kids interested in this stuff. And so that's how Calgary Cameron came along. And it has grown since then. I My very first book, I have two cousins. They're twins. They are, one's a speech and language, language pathologist. And then the other one's an art teacher. And about a month after my first book came out, they posted about the lessons that they were doing with their kids with the first book. And I say, what? One has this art thing. You know, the first book is Cowgirl Cameron and the Crazy Hair Day. And the kids are making crazy hair with like noodles and cotton balls and yarn. And I was like, what? You made an activity? She's like, yeah. Okay, that's wild. And then her twin is today, me and one of my students worked on C sounds. So we read Cowgirl Cameron to work on the k -k and this. And I'm like, what? You're working on speech? Right? Mind blown. Had no idea that this was even like something that could happen. And so I was like, all right, what would it look like to intentionally develop activities and curriculum and resources? that have this same character base or storyline, but can help with these certain objectives. So that's where we're going now. And it's been a bumpy ride, but I'm so excited about it. That is really exciting because yeah, like you said, a lot of our educators are looking for those resources and telling kids that things can only come through struggle yeah. isn't motivational sometimes. And if, no. if there's a barrier, then sure, then that can inspire you. But sometimes you just want to see, oh yeah, that's cool. That's something I could do. It, it doesn't always have to be, you must overcome in order to achieve this. It's exactly. Like, yeah. Here's a thing you can do and it can be fun. Yeah. Think too, as a book loving parent, it's so nice to see more books where there's a black character where the book isn't about them being black, that it's that. just mm -hmm. a kid who is mm -hmm. doing kid crap who yes. happens to not be white, or a disabled kid who is doing kid stuff without mm -hmm. it being about disability. And I know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was uh, Vanessa Brantley-Newton, who's a well-known 
author and illustrator was talking mm-hmm. about the importance of seeing especially children and especially black boys in a context of being joyful because yeah. everything we see is about struggle and death and that's a very real thing yeah but I have a kindergartner she wants to read about fucking unicorns okay yeah. like she slavery doesn't mean anything to her because she's fine but you read her a book about a black girl on a horse that means something to her that she can connect with right right and it's just so great to see children's books that are worth reading when I was a kid it was very much here is the moral of the story learn the moral of the story the moral of the story is not they had fun that's Mm -hmm. not it learn something yeah screw that yeah what I want yeah. my kid to learn is that reading is awesome. Right. Absolutely. That's what they need to learn. Yeah. And with the Calgary Cameron books, like the second book is Calgary Cameron and the Great Escape. Encore escapes the fence. The fence has fallen down. He's escaped. One, we got to find him. Then we got to fix the fence. Both of you can tell me that's some very real shit that happens. Like, <laughs> we don't have got to. got to your garden. Yeah. Yeah. He got into the garden. <laughs> yeah. and, like, we don't have to create these huge morals to the story this is my this is real life and people always ask is cowgirl cameron new you and i'm like no she's not me like she's me if i had a kid she's like my kid that doesn't grow up so i like i don't have to pay for her to go to college or nothing like that you're Um, not buying her new shoes every couple months you were (laughs) on to something tell you what (laughs) i just draw different kinds of shoes okay she's got cowboy But it's there. There's a lesson in the sheer experience of being this type type of person and choosing this industry. I don't have to create a lesson. It's here, and I feel like we. That's just, there's something to learn from that. It, we're describing very real lived experiences, and it. If you want to get a lesson from it, it's teaching kids to be resourceful identify the tools you need you can't just find the horse and not do shit about the fence <laughs> yeah you thought the story was over yeah, false plan yeah. you got to go fix the fence then everyone can celebrate and you can go on about your day that is so very real so that gives a real life lens to what it means to be in agriculture so as that kid who read fifty thousand of those saddle club books as a kid that's they never fix the fence. The horse runs away because the horse jumps out over the fence, but they never deal with why the fuck the horse is so untrained that he's just noping out over the fence Yeah. or the fence being, I never thought about it, but yeah, they go on a great adventure, but they never fix anything. They never actually do any responsible shit. They just, yeah. And that's dumb. Win some ribbons and try <laughs> their boots. Like, yeah. And that's dumb to me. And that kind of, speaks back to that horse girl energy it's it le- it still leaves much to be desired and what the horse girls are the girls that show up to the barn and their horses tacked up they are like oh my gosh have you seen the grooms today like you got grooms <laughs> i'm doing all the shit i'm cleaning and riding and so it's Calgary Cameron has just been a vehicle for that. We can have, we can talk about very real things that happen to us in agriculture, in horse husbandry, and paint a picture, but it's still reality. It's still fun. It's still entertaining, but it's real. 
And so when I bring Encore with me, when we hop in the mini mobile and go visit people or visit kids specifically and read the books, we have conversations. I bring out all of my little tech. Now, sometimes I understand I'm extra and it's not really realistic because this little pony that's got Converse is on and it just hops out of this van. That seems very unrealistic, okay? But what's real is the van was $1,800 and my horse trailer was $3,500. So this is real. (laughs) You're inspiring (laughs) young people to be creative, right? Yes. I just saw a horse come out of a minivan. So anything is possible. Anything is possible. Two, I think if you're capturing their imagination by, I mean, who wouldn't be excited about a pony wearing Converse sneakers right around the back of a minivan? And especially town kids, a full-size horse in a horse trailer is big and it's intimidating. And a pony in sneakers is not, Right. to put it nicely. And no, but don't tell him that because him's a very big boy. Him's very big. I understand. (laughs) (laughs) So are you also the illustrator of your books? Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that... As, have you been an artist your whole life or was that something that you thought it's my vision? I've got to, I've got to create it from the start. So it's funny. I just went back to my high school and was telling the kids about this. Like you, when you get tracked in a STEM career, you don't get a chance to take these creative liberal arts classes because you have to fulfill these classes for your degree or whatever, your high school degree, college degree, whatever. So I was a cheerleader and I'm, I was the one drawing the banners for the football players to run through. I'm like perforating the banner because I wanted it to be painted. But then the football team was like, we can't run through it. And I'm like, well, stop being <laughs> punks. Maybe you need to go in the gym. Like, it's just I paper. Can't, it's just paper. I painted on it and I had to tape it like this so the paint wouldn't ruin the day. Anyway, I didn't have that opportunity to be creative, right? When I was in college, you can't be that creative with medicine. It's either alive or dead. So I didn't do anything for a very long time. And so it was like stored up in me. Okay we can do this. And once I found the tools that work for me, realized I could draw digitally on my iPad, it was over from there. Well, and that made me think of, so with the third book is what I call the agri equestrian alphabet, because I realized I have about five books written. I just got to illustrate them. That takes a lot longer than writing the book. And I was like, I want to be able to use terminology But these kids don't know what I'm talking about. So I had to fast forward and put an alphabet book in front of all these other books so kids would know what I'm talking about. And my best friend called me and she was like, let me tell you something. If I hear A is for agriculture one more time, I'm shipping him to you, okay? (laughs) The other kid's saying apple and ant, but he's saying agriculture, all right? Dewormer what? (laughs) I'm like, yes, (laughs) I did it. (laughs) And so I want kids to be familiar with these words. And, you know, it's got a glossary in the back because I know kids are like, mommy, what is that? It's already here. It's right here. This is what it means. 
but I want them to be familiar with that kind of stuff. Why do we wait until they get into college or not college, but high school and asking them what career they want to actually talk about these things? If we're really trying to get more people into these industries, I'm like, I have no hope for the people who have already went through school. Okay. We got to hit them when they're young. (laughs) Start at the bottom. You got to brainwash them early. I yes. Understand. Yes. A is for agriculture. So, did you have S's for Siemens draw in there? Or did you, did you not we didn't far? get S's for salt block. Okay. okay. And, and saddle and stirrup. I'm waiting for them to, for her to do a crossover with Corey Silver, but real like egg sex book. I don't know. I don't know where that's going to go, but it'd be a thing. I'll tell you what. I am the baby daddy of several foals. So I, that is not too far beyond me. <laughs> there you go. So what's your vision for Cowgirl Cameron going forward as a brand? I'm trying to make Dora the Explorer my bitch. Okay. Yes. She's so obnoxious. So um, like, weird. come on, Vominos, shut up. Okay. I was already coming. You don't have to rush me. You don't give me enough time to respond. I didn't even hear the question. What do you think? Oh, cool, girl. Wait. I wasn't. I didn't have time to think of anything. But she's a she's an incredible model to look up to. Doc McStuffins too, which I love being a black character, and she's like working on stuffed animals and stuff like that. But. I want there to be a little bit more of a, more like reality. This is an opportunity. I'm not trying to be out here roly-poly and the wiggles and all this stuff. Some things can be fun and cool and interesting, but they don't have to look like blobs. They don't have to look like random. They can just be real. Is that too difficult? So that is my goal. I've always wondered why Doc McStuffins' parents aren't more concerned about her mental stability. Right. She spends a lot of time. With these stuffed animals. Arlene, maybe your kids are too old for this. Did you ever watch Doc McStuffins? I think we're, yeah, we're minor verging on the too old. And yeah. kids get those hyper fixations and only get <laughs> a handful of shows. So yeah, yeah there was more, more in the range of my youngest. And he had knots and that we were, we couldn't do watch anything else for a very long time. So I know lots about sea creatures, but <laughs> less, less about... <laughs> The medical needs of stuffed animals. Yeah, that's my goal. And to be able to, that's what's considered edutainment. But it's just interesting how these edutainment brands don't hit education first. They don't hit school systems first. It's entertainment that has some education with it. And my goal is just to do it a little bit different. How do I develop lesson plans for educators and experiences that school systems can capitalize on or expose their students to and get into the home that way through your homework, through assignments, through what you're learning in school, and then have that entertainment portion second. That's a, you got Big visions. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I always tell people, they're like, wow, that's so crazy. You have, that's such a big, yeah, that's fine. Who else is going to do it? And I'm a firm believer that I have lots of good ideas, but I'm not, I don't have to be the one to pay for all of them. Yeah, so I am like all about applying for grants and scholarships and I'm getting them. So, yeah. okay, I will do the things and then I'll tell y'all how to do it. <laughs> Here are the ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now follow my vision. Yeah. Exactly. 
I figure Tuesday so, wouldn't make the money available if they didn't want people to take it. And if people don't use grant money and scholarship money and shit, they quit funding it. And exactly. then nobody gets it. Exactly. So I will do the work to make it happen. I Last year, 2020, I told myself, I need to hear a certain amount of no's every month. If I'm not getting no's, that means I'm not applying for anything, for even opportunities, even if it's not grants. If I'm not hearing that no shouldn't be like a reflection on how I feel about myself. It's just a word. It's just a not right now. It's next opportunity. But if I'm not hearing no, that means I'm not applying. And so we got to fix that. You can't even, you don't, you can't open yourself up to hear a yes if you're not applying. So I need about 15 no's a month before I feel like I'm actually doing something. I have to say, as the mother of a strong-willed young lady herself, I, as an adult woman, I desperately want her to be hearing these messages about <laughs> pushing forward. As the mother who has to tell her no sometimes, I'd rather she not learn any more about it. But I'd much rather have the kid who has to be slowed down a little than the mm -hmm. one who never learns to push for stuff. Yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, I did a... um. I did a podcast episode with my parents just to be so my little brother he's four years younger than me he is an equine vet tech and he never had goals to go to vet school but he's developed more of a property manager role at his work and he's driving trucks around and delivering medications and like doing all these things that you just wouldn't typically think a vet tech would do and I'm like that's how we were raised right we okay you can put me somewhere but I'm gonna grow out that thing and because we are so resourceful because we literally were told to go outside and figure out how to make it work and daddy had all these tools and stuff and we got to I had to know the difference between a fillet head and flathead and I just had to know these things early we're just such resourceful people that we outgrow our positions very quickly and we're given that responsibility so I talked to my parents about it and I was like so how was it raising us and they were just very transparent like my dad he had the resources but he didn't always have the vision when I got my horse in college he said so is he gonna pull a plow I said daddy who has a plow we not plowing anything we don't have any vegetables in the ground no one has. Now you still don't have any vegetables. We still. Thanks, right. mom. Track record is poor. Okay. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm going to, he's going to grow and I'm going to ride him. What do you mean? He doesn't have to work. My dad comes from that animals are work kind of thing. Tools. And so he's looking at us like crazy like that. And then my mom's like very strategic and analytical, but she's I only touched dogs. What you mean? And so now she can do so much more with Encore because she's getting used to horses. She got shocked by the fence a couple of times the last month. She was like, I didn't sign up for this shit. I didn't sign up for this. And I'm like, wow, you have been initiated into the cowgirl culture. Okay. That one little shock and you're here with us. <laughs> I loved that episode with your parents. And I think she shares my, my feelings about horses that they look pretty, but maybe you don't want to, she doesn't want to actually ride them. Oh yeah. No, 
Never been on one. No, she's not interested in that. So that kind of leads me into one of my questions. So we're a parenting and ag podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And like your dad, I think a lot of parents probably see horses as maybe not having value or purpose as an activity and they're an expensive thing to get for kids to get into but what do you think that you learned as a child and a teen and what can other kids learn from being involved in horses and in the equine industry that you think not that all not that everything has to have value but but what did it bring into your life that you couldn't have found any other way I think that it really teaches kids to be mindful of something that's outside of themselves kids are innately selfish because they don't know it's like I only know what I want right but just for a moment having an animal period even with a dog they can have that I have to take care of something that responsibility like this depends on me to survive that was one of the very first things that I learned but outside of that just working hard and being able to go out and do these things I wasn't able to go to these trail rides unless I had all my homework done and didn't have anything I needed to do over the weekend so it taught me to prioritize this because I really wanted to do it and so I needed to figure out how I could finish everything else I needed to do so I could do this thing that I really wanted And that is a hard thing for people to do, even as adults. Like, how do I go from A to B? How do I go from just knowing about something to actually doing something about it? And being resourceful and being present. Horses don't have, ideally, um, horses without trauma. They don't have whole grudges from the past. They don't have anxiety about the future. They can't because it's not safe. They, are, they operate in the realities that are presented to them because that is the safest for them. And I think that's something that I'm now teaching to adults, to Fortune 500 company executives, like how to be present and how to really operate in a way that horses do. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, that way of, of focusing on the moment. And mm-hmm. yeah, you can't think beyond where you are and if you're working with a horse or on a horse then you have to be there with them you can't yeah you can't let yourself get sidetracked yeah so I'm talking about your podcast Mm -hmm. it's called young black equestrians Mm -hmm. now you've switched it up to being called black in the saddle so who do you talk to and what is your podcast story yeah it started off as young black equestrians named it that because that was who I was and so I'm like okay I want to talk to more people like me yeah But then as the community started to grow, there was so much like, oh, I really love what you're doing, but I'm not young. And I'm like, oh, no, young is a feeling. Yeah. And then I was asked to be like on this panel and he was like, yeah, you can be in the youth section. And I was like, hold on. My big ass age. I'm 28. You got me talking to the. Okay, clearly things need to change and I had people on social media trying to really like tell me what to do because they thought I was young and I was like friend I will cuss you up one side and down the other and sleep well at night don't let this name fool you and then I was like okay we got to do something about this we got to do something about it so black in the saddle came to me like 
early this year, like January, February, like in the shower as most best ideas come to you, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, black in the saddle. Oh, that's so funny. Like back in the saddle. Hi. Oh, look, there's an acronym, BITS. I'm all about some acronyms and alliteration, okay? Children's book author at heart. And it was just that. It was just like, okay, that's cool. Moving on. And so it wasn't until July I was like, I need to change this podcast name. Oh, Black in the... Remember, Black... You know what? It's going to be Black in the South. <laughs> and just been waiting in there. Yeah. It was waiting for me to come to that realization that I was excluding some of my audience. And I was excluding a lot of the people who were really supportive of me. And the type of content that I was creating, I wasn't necessarily creating content for kids. I couldn't do that over and over. I already got Cowgirl Cameron. So we had to switch it up a little bit. And... and do something that was more inclusive of the people who I actually ended up attracting. And that's like my branding brain coming on. That's, oh yeah, that started off weird. Now this feels so much more aligned. Sure. Yeah. And it gives you room for growth too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we started off as interviewing people because podcast started in 2019, 2020 hit, and it was all about amplifying black voices and a lot of people were coming to us like oh I didn't know there were black people in horses and so I was like let me fucking tell you let me do 80 episodes let me introduce you yeah let me introduce you to at least these 80 people that I've talked to about this and about their roles and what they've done and their passions there's inventors veterinarians polo players people in tech people over 60, a 75-year-old mounted archer. Huh? You're 75, you're black, you ride horses, and you do archery? All at the same time. All at the same time. What? And so it went from that, don't tell me that you don't know that black people are into horses. Don't tell me because there's 80 episodes, okay? I know 80 is not a lot in the grand scheme of how many people are on this world, but it's at least 80 hours of education that you could go through. Now, let's talk about what we can do to improve where we are in this industry. And so now I'm talking to the doers. And I'm talking to my mentor, some community organizations, people who have been able to put ideas into practice because that's what's next. It's not enough to know that these people exist. It's not enough to say, hey, okay, wow, I'm not alone. There's other people like me, but I want to do this thing. Okay, now we're going to talk about how to do it. And so that's a little bit how the content has shifted a little bit because I want people to know that the next step is impact. The next step is doing something, supporting someone, joining a community, creating space. What does it look like to do that versus just a singular person's impact or journey on the industry? So our one of our big goals for the podcast has been building community. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering as work bog standard middle-aged white ladies, how we can build community with folks who are not standard issue white middle-aged farm ladies uh, without either insisting that 
the rest of you do the work for us of how we can help you. Let us help yeah. you, but also make it really fucking easy for us because we don't right. have energy for that. But also, how do we not intrude on spaces that are not for us? Yeah. But still building community. And that's a tough one because it's it is it's hard to be okay with not being included when you're trying to be inclusive but it's not for us no I come so please do all the work and tell us how to <laughs> do the work without making you, know you do what? all the work and people have asked me like oh my gosh you, you talk so much about this with other people do you ever no no I do not ever feel like a burden is placed on me when someone asks me a question on how they could be better because naturally who I am as a very judgy person I'm likely going to tell you how to be better well, whether no, you I, ask I, me or not <laughs> I appreciate that because it in a lot of ways it seems a hell of a lot easier to ask you than it is for me to just guess how to be better and that know. is leading into my next point it is asking questions there is a power that comes from being open to asking someone questions and not having any requirements for the answer that tells me that you care about what I have to contribute without trying to influence it that okay can you tell me how to do this but make it easy or can you help tell me how to do this within the stipulations that I have for what I want to do no I can't I can tell you just from my experience what has worked, but I'm not going to try to fit it in some kind of convoluted box that makes it package perfect for you. That's work, right? And so when it comes to building community in, a, in spaces that don't look like you or try to attract those people that, that don't have the same lived experience as you, it's about transparency. And it's about asking those questions that are completely open-ended and not being attached to what that answer is. I started my Facebook group as supporters of the podcast. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, whatever. And then as I started having conversations, there were some people that were like, oh my God, I thought this was a safe space for Black horse people. And I was like, I mean, it's safe, but it wasn't exclusive, but... And so many people chimed in, oh my God, that's why I was here because I felt like I didn't have any other place to speak transparently. And I was like, shit, sorry, supporters of not Black supporters. The community has spoken. I Engage with me on the other platforms, but this is apparently what they need. So I didn't get it right. I didn't know. I'm just like, I just want my friends to come help me in this group right? Yeah. Tell me if my podcast is good. But then they were like, okay, this is what we need. So I had to adjust. And so as you start getting people who are interested in what you have to offer, which is a lot, like y'all offer a lot and you have incredible conversations, you connect with people in those ways, in, in agriculture, in motherhood, in homeschooling, in all of these different avenues and you make it transparent this is for everyone we are trying to create communities to support people of all colors of the spectrum right we are 
opening conversations because we understand that working from home for someone, for one person might be a privilege, but for the other person might be something that was required because there wasn't any other option. So this one thing could look completely different for two types of people, right? Let's have conversations about that. We're not going to be, don't get nasty. There's no, you can have boundaries, but open up, opening up that conversation is just such an opportunity to create an environment and inclusivity is a buzzword, right? You, I'm sure at some point in your life, you've been included in something, but you felt like you didn't, you shouldn't have been there. That is exactly what has happened over the last two to three years. Oh, let's bring them in. Okay. And then completely ignore this presence or ask them to do all the work and then it's a spectator sport, right? So I really love this concept of belonging. I don't want to just be here. I want to feel like I belong. So I don't have it like perfectly spelled out, but that is what I strive towards in developing my own communities. I don't want you to just be here. I want you to feel like you belong and I want you to feel like you have something to contribute. Because also, I'm going to be, I am not trying to do all the work, okay? Someone needs to have another conversation. <laughs> what, what is going on? And it's funny, when I say something in my group, someone will message me like, oh my gosh, I would love to talk about this more. But would you really? Because you messaged me in my inbox instead of posting it in the group. So I'm okay with the challenge. I'm okay with the asking for you to be completely transparent and participatory. but. I'm going to continue to ask questions that spark conversation. They may be a little hellacious sometimes, but I create spaces where people can share. We have a call once a month, fireside chat. Sometimes we have a theme, sometimes we don't. Tuesday was our one for October, and I just started the conversation with a question. What are you noticing in the industry? And we talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> so people want to be asked what they see and what's true for them. And they want to be able to share it in a space where they're not going to be judged for that. And that's how you create that sense of belonging. That was a long answer. No, it was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, we're both sitting here nodding and scratching our heads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I think there's so much to remember too about the historical power dynamic that for us mm -hmm. oh, working to, to open our space to more diversity and inclusion versus me coming to your space and be like, let me in, include right. me, you know, right. that's creepy. And as fun right. as your trail ride sound, it would be really inappropriate and weird for me to show up and demand that you let me come along. The thing is, as long as your money green, you be let in. Oh, there are very diverse rides. There are white people and Hispanic people that come to these rides. Absolutely. Okay. But it is historically since the seventies. I'm sorry. It's a cat walking down the street. Since the 70s, it's just been historically Black. And so it's not exclusive in that way. And that is a trait of the Black community, right? You had just said something and I was going to... Oh, the other thing that it grinds my fucking gears. 
you have seen in the equestrian industry is, oh my gosh. So once a month, we're going to have a lesson day for black kids or I'm sorry, black, we can't use black. We're going to do a lesson day for the urban kids, urban riding lessons. Um, I'm not threatening violence, but if we were close to each other, I would thump you. What? That's your solution? Oh, okay. Okay. Black youth summer camp, summer equestrian camp. (sighs) That's the example of I'm including them. (laughs) Those kids do not feel like they belong. They feel like they are granted permission to enter this space and they have no choice of it. You get well, especially when you make it a, a separate day or a separate week. Like right. you're totally included as long as you don't come near our white kids. Just, right. Don't come on the just, white week. Yeah. Come on the black week. The hell? Kind of genius. We're to check off our to-do list if we have to put work into it. I know, right? <laughs> it's pretty like, easy to check off if it's an hour a month. And so let me apply for all the grant funds to pay for these black kids on black week and i don't argue very much on facebook but i got time when it comes to stuff like that <laughs> make time that one, yeah you got some alerts set up for that kind of stuff yeah <laughs> so i'm almost afraid to ask this question because i'm sure that you have more goals and dreams than we can ever cover in one conversation or let me uh, take a sip of water yeah we'll give you a second but What's on the horizon? Say in the, we can go in the medium distance. What what do you see as some of your goals and dreams going forward? So I am really interested and open to exploring this thing that I've walked into that is equine experiential education. And taking a step back, I realize I'm doing it for children and also for companies that are 150 years old their leadership teams and so mid-level kind of goal I want to see where that takes me I want to see I just notifications which is why I had to put my phone on airplane mode because shit's getting real but notifications from this company that I contract with that they night they're not paying any money. So I don't ever say that. I say their names with an accent so they can't find me. But Google A <laughs> and Disney getting, forming relationships with them to do this kind of work. What? Coaching with horses? Executive development, leadership development? Mind blown. You couldn't have told me I'd be doing this two years ago. So I'm willing to explore where that takes me. But also I already have an answer for farther than a little bit farther than midway I don't know how soon this can happen but I'm also getting some education in wine and viticulture because my ultimate like landing pad would be a winery slash equestrian property where there could be some space for business development and community building but also we're gonna drink while we're here And there's a little cowgirl Cameron corral down at the bottom or over there. Drop your kids off there. And then you come up here and enjoy yourself. And then just make sure you go pick them up before you leave. 
So you're saying um, Ikea with booze and horses instead of cheap ass furniture? Because yes. I am on board for this. Yes, absolutely. I am fully on board. Maybe once a year you could sponsor a week for suburban white kids to come out <laughs> and be like, feel bad for these poor children. They eat right. land food, their music <laughs> sucks, and everybody will bring them out once a year. Yeah, right at home. Feed them right better food and take them on trail rides. Just yeah, seems and like stopping in Beverly Hills and like <laughs> loading these kids into your van for a week. You know what? Good for them. I am not. I'm. I've gotten to the point. We when 2020 was the year that we were living in. There was so much anger. We were so angry as black people. We were so angry. So that anger poured out into whatever community that we were in, right? And for us, it was the equestrian community. So we're so angry and there's never any representation. Your models are always white. You always have skinny ones, okay? Even the white women mad because all the models are skinny, all right? So now since they mad, we really got to do something, okay? Let's have some plus size models, right? There's all this stuff, media representation, cool. But once I, now that I'm on the other side of that, I realized that many people thought that was enough. Oh, we got some more diverse models. Y'all happy? And it's no, I want, like, what does your board look like? What does your, your marketing team look like? Who are the people making the decisions? Who are the people funding this work? I had a company, I'm not going to name them, but you can find them if you listen to the podcast. They were like, we want to get ads. We want to sponsor. So, cool. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate it. They send me the assets for the advertising. I said, okay, so I don't know if y'all realize, but the podcast is called Young Black Equestrians. You want me to roll this tape of all kinds of equestrians and not a single one of them is black? Did you even think maybe the assets should match? What? So that's how I know it was checking off a box for them. Make sure we put some amount of money towards, let's include them, but they don't belong clearly because we don't have any imagery that represents them. And so I've learned that you can only stay mad for so long. Me, personally, I can only stay mad for so long until I decide to do something about it. And that's literally how all of this stuff comes along. That's not that all my ideas come out of anger, but maybe like annoyance, inconvenience for me, like the books, the podcast, like every time I'm mildly inconvenienced, I will create a solution because I don't, have to live a life of inconvenience when we're comfortable and everything's going okay you don't feel that drive to, to change to yeah to, you know, to, to make something different to do something different to yeah there's to no innovation beyond. yeah if you're mm -hmm. yeah if everything's just going along smooth and yeah just keep going yeah and you're certainly making a bigger change this way than you would be just bitching about it on Facebook and then exactly going back to watching TV which is pretty much what the rest of us are doing. These are conversations that you have a very personal lens that you speak from and that's still so necessary. And when we get in the mix of things like when we we start 
operating in our communities and we like find other podcasters and we're like, oh my gosh, there are so many people podcasting. It's really, no, it's not. There's not that many people. In the grand scheme of the almost 7 billion, 8 billion people that are about to be on this earth, we're not even a percentage. And so I tell my people that when we're talking about horse stuff, like because you surrounded yourself with this community, you feel like it's oversaturated. But in reality, how many people are horse people? It's not that much. So then the subset of that is your discipline. Subset of that is your identity. Subset of that, there's so many subsets. There's not too many. And people need to hear about it because there are people who are looking for that relation point. I think too, when we're working to encourage belonging and openness in communities, we have so many things in common as Mm -hmm. ag people that it makes it easier to approach the things we don't have in common because Mm -hmm. it's once you're friends with people, it's a lot harder to see them as other than when they're just if your kids only know white kids and they only see white kids then you can't really be horrified when they're not sure about kids who aren't white because that's all they've seen you can't force that and yeah and it's if that's something that is important to you you will create opportunities for them to interact with people that are different and I've had so many lesson barns or equine programs like how do I get more black people in my barn And I say, how many Black people do you know in your real life? You want them to come into your space when you don't even know them in real life. You don't even go to a grocery store that has Black people that shop there. You don't even acknowledge the barista that might use spout in your order and don't even say thank you. And so how about... Let's not put Black people in those environments. Like, oh my gosh, how am I, how do I get more, more Hispanic people in my barn? Is anything in your barn in Spanish? It's not rocket science. I'm in, a, in many times I am being, I'm not being funny. I'm being very cynical and smart assy and I'm okay with that, right? But it's, this is not a giant, super giant challenge. There are very practical things that you can do. It's called being a human. And some people don't don't feel comfortable looking at their own humanity in that way. Because they don't want to be like, oh my God, I don't do, I'm not, I don't. Yeah, your attempts to, to go out and make these changes requires you to reflect on how you show up. And a lot of people don't want to do that. That's hard. It's hard. And then I have had to do it working in spaces like that I'm new at being in. I've had to see, okay, you can't be angry. I worked with, I worked on a training program and this woman got the pricing wrong. And I was pissed off initially because the woman in charge let this person get the training two for one. And then later on the woman's emailing back and forth and then emailed the head by by herself instead of copying me and was like Ariana lied Ariana told me a story I didn't even make the decision I was a mouthpiece 
And so in, immediately I felt like you only did that because I was a black woman. And you felt like you had a friend by going over me. My boss was like, what do you want to tell her? I was like, I, tell, I want to tell her to kiss my ass. And I'll block you from all this shit. And we'll never hear from you again. And she was like, that's fair. That's fair. But you are also an entrepreneur. And this is business. This, her reflection is not about you. It's about her own insecurities. And I had to take a step back like, oh, that's how this business shit works. Okay. I'm not going to get mad about it. I just need to say, okay, thank you for your understanding. It's not what reality is. So you can choose to go or you can choose to stay. And those are the facts. So it's not just like a white person thing. It's just a skill that we have to have as adults, period. But when you're talking about trying to include people and in, in that belonging, you really do have to say, how do I show up? What does it look like when I enter the room? Do people hold their breath? Do people smile? Do people turn away? And then- I have to, sorry, I have to say we open and enrolled our kids into a school that in rural Iowa, having any not white kids in your school is pretty, yeah. pretty big. And yeah. the school our kids are in is 75% non-Caucasian. Nice. And when I walk into the room and there's my daughter's class of 15 kids, I think three of them are white. And even as someone who loves diversity and is curious about other cultures, it's still uncomfortable to be the white parent in the room. Yeah. But A, all of those other families have been so much more welcoming to me than any similar group of white people would be to one of them coming in. So what if I'm uncomfortable? Yes. They're not throwing shit at me. Right. You're not trying to set me on fire. All they've done is- throwing stuff at you. Yeah, I mean, they're probably throwing shit at me. They're not doing anything. The only thing they're doing is looking different than me and speaking Spanish a lot better than I do but other than that they're not hurting me in any way and that's I think we can admit and embrace that it is uncomfortable and then do it anyway which is what we're teaching our kids yes absolutely absolutely anyway so we ask all of our guests if you were going to dominate a category at county fair what would it be and you can make up your own category if you need to county fair y'all want to know what's funny I am actually taking my mini horse to the county fair today. <laughs> What's he doing? Are you reading stories or is he, is he competing no, in something? He's competing. It's like you don't have to pay to enter and you just show up and then sometimes you get money. Last year he bought me dinner. Like it was like nice. $15. We got fourth place. So I'm doing that after this. But if I had to choose a category, I would choose like best dressed best wardrobe because nobody is shitting on encore okay he oh, has... i thought you were talking about your wardrobe. yeah i was oh, too horses, horses wardrobe? <laughs> oh oh wait be, uh, were we fair. not showing our animals at the county no, fair? No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the idea of this question is that it's something that you really rock but if you've got the best dressed horse on the fairgrounds then uh, oh we definitely, <laughs> we'll get you don't I go mean, to a county fair unless i have a horse i'm sorry <laughs> no I've never bought clothes for a horse, so she's ahead of me. Most people never have. Whoa, that was funny. I just had, I was like, what? Oh, me? That's like typical horse person shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing that happens at fairs, right? Horse, and um, fun stuff. 
That part, that part. I would be known for... I feel like I would win the category for Mrs. Get Shit Done. Like, it's not enough to have an idea. You need to be able to make it happen. And so I would win that category, the Mrs. Get Shit Done category. Nice. With the best dressed horse, for sure. Yeah, that's the co- a combo category. I like that you'd have a sash with a hammer loop on it. <laughs> That'd be pretty badass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to go ahead and move into our cussing and discussing segment. We've registered mm-hmm. for an online platform called SpeakPipe where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us and we will play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we will read it out for you. Katie, what are you cussing and discussing this week? Arlene, all of our regular listeners and probably some non-regular listeners know that the boy child is obsessed with combines, choppers, corn pickers, harvest equipment in general. And some of our neighbors have started harvest, but we're not really in it yet. So he's seeing parked combines, but none running. And if I hear one more goddamn demand for him, apparently I'm supposed to call people and force them to start combining, or I don't know if he thinks (laughs) I'm going to go hotwire the goddamn thing. I've never driven a combine, but there's no time like the present to start. Everyone someone else's he, for sure. Yeah, go yeah. hot wire someone else's combine. I'm sure the keys are. Why are they not running? Why are they parked? Why are they not? Why are they parked, Mama? Why? Goddamn, kid. Said so the corn's too wet. No, it not it dry. Look at it. <laughs> I, argue with your father about this shit, kid. Like, I don't normally go for a solid go ask your father, but. For that. Yes. Daddy taught him about this shit. Daddy can deal with him. <laughs> Anyway, Abriana, what do you have to cuss and discuss? What do I have to cuss and discuss about today? Gosh, so much has happened. I need to know while you're thinking about it, what size shoes does Encore wear? Build-A-Bear comes in one size. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm dead. I am dead at the idea. (laughs) Lord. I am cussing and discussing about... Gosh, y'all, I really haven't gotten mad about something lately. I'll flip it around. It's not even something that I'm mad about. I just cuss frequently. Some of the opportunities that have just come my way recently, I'm just like, are you shitting me? This can't be real life. What the? What? You want me to do? You want me to do what? You gotta be fucking kidding me. And I feel like I'm saying that a lot. So much so. That sometimes I say it to my mother on accident. And so I'm just like, ah, shit. Oh, my bad, mama. Okay. What the hell? Oh, I'm sorry. But then it's also like, she's gotten more comfortable cussing around me. And I'm like, also, wait a second. We never did this. Hold your horses, young lady. Do not talk like that. She's like, yeah. And I was like, she's a bitch. And I was like, Mother. <laughs> I am allowed to slip up, but not you. What? So I'm just, I feel like that's just been my reaction to some shit lately. Are you shitting me? So that's just a very, it's a good thing. Many good things. And just, yeah, I haven't been in an off-putting space in a very long time. So I try not to, because once I get started, I don't really stop. So that's about it. That's awesome. The discussing can be good stuff. It doesn't have to, we don't always have to have the bad (laughs) swears. 
Arlene, what have you got this week? So mine is actually a positive one too. And I feel like it's one of those things that I'm trying to soak in because I know that someday it's not going to happen anymore. So I've got, Aubrianna, I've got four kids. My oldest is 16 and she's already driving and the older two, they're both in high school. And so my youngest is seven Mm -hmm. and he still gets off the bus and he wants to snuggle at the end of the school day. And as a little seven-year-old, I know that probably the time is coming that he's not going to want to do that anymore. So I really try when they get off the bus to not have anything to do for a little while. And Mm -hmm. we curl up on the couch and I have, of course, I have to prepare his snacks first and provide them to him in in location. And the other day he broke my heart a little bit because he told me that he wasn't going to call me mommy anymore because he's not little. It's mom now. So I am not mommy but I still get my after-school snuggle. So no. I'll just keep <laughs> loving that for as long as it lasts. No, that's precious. Those snuggles are the best part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Aubriana, thank you so much for joining us today. I really loved meeting you in person. I've w- enjoyed watching you on Instagram live every now and then and listening to you on your podcast, but actually getting yeah. to see you on Zoom and talk to you in real life was fantastic. So where Thank can you. our listeners find you, learn more about your books and your podcast and everything that you're doing in the world? Yeah, yeah. So the easiest place is aubrianajohnson.com because it's just got links to everything. But you can learn more about the podcast at Black in the Saddle. It's BLK in the Saddle because Black in the Saddle was taken and GoDaddy was trying to charge me like $6,000 for it. So I said, say, fuck you. I'll just use it. I'll just shorten it. Okay. I don't need that letter. I don't need it. And on social media as well, BLK in the saddle. And then you can learn more about Cowgirl Cameron at cowgirlcameron.com. I am still working on that website, but you can sign up for my email list and you'll be the first to know when all of the new cool things go live there. You can also get the books off of Amazon. So you can search my name or search Cowgirl Cameron, C-A-M-R-Y-N. And we'll put all those links in the places. Katie's probably already got them in her cart. I'm looking. (laughs) No, I got off Amazon when you yelled at me, Arlene. (laughs) Okay. This is why I need Arlene to keep me in in (laughs) check. Absolutely. Focus for a few more minutes, then go buy the book. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.